welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. In here with me tonight, Amadou So, Dan Galinsky. Dan, Amadou, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? Can't complain. Four and one in the last five games. You know what, Dan? It, it, I can't. I, I can't rub it in your face now. But after you kind of let us down after the two-game winning streak and saying that it has to be three, not only was it three, it was four. They they lost the last one, but I got to assume that you're feeling pretty good about the Cavs right now. Yeah, and I in guess. General. Yeah, I, I I should just have it be pessimistic uh, from here, and maybe it'll work. Maybe. You know, we, we got a little bit of a break, so we can have a little bit of a break from the pessimism and talk about the optimism. Uh, particularly talking about last couple games, the Cavaliers went 1-1 one one in. Beat the Rockets 101-90. to Did lose to the Pacers 114-111. to They enter the break 14-22, and which is good for 13th in the East. Like I mentioned, 4-1 and in the last five games after the 0-10 stretch. <sighs> we can just kind of start in the Rockets game. Uh, the, the Rockets are basically... In the same spot that the Cavs were in <laughs> during that during that zero and ten stretch, right now, um, just a team that is struggling to kind of find their way. Obviously, they are dealing with their own injuries too. Eric Gordon, uh, Rodion Skouroux wasn't playing in that game. David Nwaba wasn't playing that game, and obviously Christian Wood didn't ever come back, or at least has yet to come back from his injury. I'm assuming he'll be back after the break as well. But um, overall, you know, a team that the Cavaliers should beat, and they did beat. Uh, I guess just uh, – I'll swing it over to you, Amadou, in this game. Who was it that stood out to you most as far as making an impact? Well, I mean, obviously Colin Sexton. Um, you can could, you could make the argument that this was the best game of his career. I mean, he had 29 I – mean, excuse me, 39 points. Uh, I believe he had nine assists too. 
to go along with that. I mean, just you know, all around, just great game from him. He was super efficient. He was finding his open teammates. And I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of been, you know, his, his thing, his weakness to say, I don't even see it as a weakness anymore is, you know, his passing abilities, you know, can he be a lead guard on, you know, a contending team? And we've seen even, um, in the next game that we're probably going to get to later, um, the, uh, Pacers games, he had double digit assists, but either way, you know, 39 and nine, I mean, those, that, that's, that's all star, superstar numbers right there, man. An excellent, excellent game from him. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the efficiency was there in that game. Uh, shot 60% from the field, 50% from three. Uh, took 15 foul shots, which just you know tells you that he was getting in there and getting to the paint. Uh, ended up with a few rebounds, did have eight assists, a couple steals. Uh, it was a little bit turnover happy in this game, had six of them. Uh, but I think it's just encouraging to see him moving the ball. Uh, and you mentioned, I think over these past couple games, we have kind of just seen a little bit more of that playmaking juice from Colin. Obviously, against Indiana, he did have 10 assists as well. Uh, I think all of those 10 assists came in the first half, which is a little bit troublesome, especially when the majority of that second half was played without Darius Garland on the floor. But, you know, encouraging to see, you know, him him really moving the ball well regardless. Um, Dan, what have you thought of kind of the the playmaking spike that we've seen here from Colin? Is it something that you, you expect to see moving forward, or do you think it'll tail back down a little bit? <sighs> yeah, I, I don't. It's it was good to see. Uh, I, I give him his props, but there's still just the limitations. And uh, I, I got to give TJ McConnell credit. I honestly can't stand that dude. He's just <laughs> watching him. It just makes me cringe. The guy's like beyond a tryhard, um, and it's just irritating. But uh, well, that's what's so, gotten him in the league. So, is what's kept him around. So offensively limited has like zero handle. Um, but such a heady player, um, I, I got to give him his props. He, he hounded him for a good stretch. Um, Colin did get his. I'm not saying he didn't, but um, I, it was it just it, – it's not so much him. It's just the lack of our, – our guy, William Rissman, has called it out. There, there's such little movement offensively with the Cavs right now. Um at least guys like Windler do it well. And honestly, I don't buy what Rissman said. Isaac Okoro moves fairly well, too. Um, Isaac Okoro it's just, moves well. <laughs> I yeah. I don't know why and, that's debated. Yeah, it, it's just with Colin, I give him he, – he's really shown really good progress and uh, making, like, interior feeds. That's been good to see. Um, they just need to get him some help with the traps out top. That's, that's kind of what has given him kind of the Achilles heel, but – I think it's workable. I think they can figure it out. Um, but they just got to – I hope Garland's th- – this isn't too, too much of an issue. But last year, he ended out his last five games with a groin strain, I believe. So um, they, they got to make a move here soon so they can get – regarding McGee to clear a roster spot, ideally, so they can get a backup PG in here. It's really needed. Even if it's not – I mean – We'll end up seeing, obviously, there are a ton of trades that could potentially be made, but the Cavaliers do have an open roster spot, and if they just wanted to sign someone, or if Dalla Vadova comes back, they, they have options. Well, it's just the reason I say that is because with Drummond, it could be To keep an open roster spot with that as well. Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. That's kind of just saying. kind of in that realm. But I, yeah. I, you make a fair point. I, I hope Delhi's back soon because, frankly, we need him. We just, I mean, we see the, the value of him it. off the floor. I think that there is a clear value of having him on the floor as well. Just a calming presence and someone else who can 
who can handle the ball and not get stripped by TJ McConnell nine times. Uh, TJ did have a triple-double in this game. I don't know if he's ever done that before. He shot eight for eight from the field, uh, had 13 assists, 16 points, 10 steals, nine steals in the first half. And like you said, really just kind of unbelievable um, as far as the turnovers. from the field. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, it's it was it was ridiculous. Um, but it, it, again, like, and you mentioned just the need for a backup point guard. If Matthew Delvadova is in there, you think that he is, you know, mindful enough and smart, you know. And I don't want to just say smart enough because I'm not trying to, you know, insult anyone's intelligence, but just you know, mindful enough to not let those last few turnovers after he's up in guys' grills. It just you have you have to think that that type of thing wouldn't happen to that extent with Del Vadova on the floor. Yeah, I, I just think there needs to be that relocation ability a little bit. And and we've seen it from Colin here and there. I mean, he's he's actually can hit off movement somewhat. Um, I, I just like to see them be able to ma- manufacture some off-ball stuff for him because he just has such a huge workload, as we all know. Um, but I think Larry Nance Jr. being back, hopefully it seems soon after the All-Star break could definitely help um, with and without the ball for from like a movement standpoint as well. I think getting Kevin back will help with that as well. Oh, yeah. But we just – at this we point never with, know Kevin, with Kevin, it, we never it's know a Kevin. Revol- it's just a <laughs> – we keep thinking the egg, egg timer's on, but it's it's not, so who knows. Speaking shortly on, on Darius Garland, I thought he had a fine couple of games as well. Uh, at 14-7 and seven against uh, Houston – did leave the game early against Indiana, only played 19 and a half minutes. Did have 16 and 5 in the minutes that he played. Again, was kind of part of the turnover issues. Uh, he had a few uh, at the hands of TJ McConnell. Overall, 25 turnovers from this team in the Pacers game. Three from Okoro, uh, three from. Uh, wait, hold on. Yeah, six from Sexton, three from Garland, three from Windler, five from McGee. Uh, it, it was just a problem all throughout this game. It was, you know what killed them and what brought the Pacers back in the first half. It was what killed them down the stretch uh, when it looked like the, I mean, after the Cavaliers had surrendered quite a sizable lead uh, and it looked like they, you know, really were in position to win the game late. And again, turnovers just kind of killed those dreams. But Darius Garland, I did think overall looked well, um, had that groin strain and on an and one on a very, very impressive finish. It was unfortunate that he ended up getting injured on that play, but um, continuing to play well, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say because I am not of the I am not of this belief, but I have seen kind of suggested out on a Cavs Twitter that Darius Garland is the best player on the Cavs right now. Um, I am still going to go with Colin Sexton in this argument. Where would you guys rank those two? I guess as far as the hierarchy of best players on this team, Amadou, we can start with you. Um, I would definitely say that you know Sexton is the best player, but I don't think the gap between the two is probably as large as some other people may think. Um, It's just, I think why people say this is because, I mean, at least for this season, Garland has been our only, you know, facilitator, playmaker, really. I mean, unless you count, you know, Sexton's one of them, but we all know Sexton, that's not really his his game. Um, But when it comes to, you know, creating for others and such, Garland's been our only guy. You know, Delhi, he's been out all year. Dodson, he just is not that. And, those, those are only guards. So that's why I guess you could say his impact has been so big, which, I mean, is a great thing, honestly. Um, we see just how much better the offense flows with Garland on the floor. Um, 
we saw it firsthand, you know, um, last night with the Pacers game, just how the offense sort of collapsed when Garland uh, got injured. It just became easier for the Pacers to defend us. And, um, yeah, but, no, nah, I, I think I, I'm with you, um, Justin. I still believe that Sexton is our best player. Dan, who would you take between the two? I, I'm with Hamadou. Uh, just the raw production with Sexton's been able to have, um, it, to me, is is kind of the reasoning for him being the best right now. Um, and additionally, just the abil- ability to um, just uh, – Garland has the change of pace, but Sexton's capabilities to finish through contact and initiate it, to me, is a big, big deal. Um, and I just think with the, uh, you, yes, he has some turnovers here and there needs to improve his handle. That That is pretty apparent. Um, but just teams really, I mean, have to game plan for this kid. Uh, just his polish all around as a scorer is, has been really unparalleled. Um, and it's just a guy that, I mean, you can say, yes, he needs to improve in other areas. That's fair. That's fine. But without him on the floor, without that scoring presence, it, it it's tough for this team to, to win games. And um, I guess that's kind of a lazy take. But uh, Garland, you can make an argument, may, may be more valuable, like not better, but more valuable for what Based he's able to do. Based on the team's needs right now. Yeah. But I think the other thing is it's just showing that um, we're seeing the real Garland when he's been able to be healthy. Well, I guess not currently the second, but um, the, I guess, just overall skill he has is is basically what they were looking at in the draft, and people didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. I do want to talk about another player. I want to talk about uh, Dean Wade a little bit who has continued to start. He has gotten starts in the last five games. Uh, the Cavaliers no longer undefeated with Dean Wade in the starting lineup after that disappointing Pacers loss. That might be the worst part of the whole loss, is that Dean Wade now has a loss as a starter. Uh, just really disappointing. Against Houston, played well. Uh, had eight points on efficient shooting. Uh, five rebounds to go with that. Against Indiana, 17 points for Dean Wade. Five for eight from three, six for nine from the field. Again, six rebounds, just making an impact, shooting the ball extremely well. I think, you know, he kind of tailed off at the end of the game as far as shooting goes. But, you know, really was, you know, came out blazing to start the game. Uh, Larry Nance, we know, is a fan from the broadcast of Dean Wade. Dan, I got to ask you, as someone who I know wasn't as high on Dean Wade coming into the season... What has changed in his eyes from from your original kind of view of him to where he is at currently? Well, I just think it's uh, it's clearly the confidence thing. Uh, I just think he's had more just played freer uh, from just kind of releasing off the catch, uh, showing last year I, again. We're, we don't need to rehash it, but just showed hesitation it seemed too often and we haven't seen that this year when he's been able to get in there um and i think it's it doesn't show up necessarily in the box score but he he is a i mean he's a solid passer i think too um and his handoffs are meaningful handoffs as well um for a guy that really isn't that bulky per se i think that's that says a lot about him uh moves without the ball well uh 
and pretty solid athlete. I just hope his feet can hold up. That's unfortunately a big if with him, but um, more fluid, honestly, than I would have thought. Uh, defensively, I think especially in switch out situations has has been very uh, very solid, and it's just been good to see his confidence seemingly grow. Yeah, I've, I've, particularly on the defensive end, which was kind of where I've had the most concerns about him. Uh, just ever since the Cavaliers got him, really. I think that a lot of those, and, and not, you know, Dean Wade is not some, you know, high-level high, high level defender. But the fact that he is not that big of a minus is the reason that he's been able to start these games and play 30 minutes a night. Um, he is able to, and again, like, the foot issues are, and, and they haven't really shown to be, like, a super concern yet in the NBA. He hasn't dealt with a ton of injuries. Uh, but... Again, like he, he's not the bulkiest guy. Uh, it's not someone that I would really feel comfortable at all playing at the center spot, uh, just because again I don't know if he can handle that you know hard of a you know rough workload of, of you know banging with some bigger guys. But he is able to switch up. He's able to you know guard guards on switches out of pick and roll. Um, you know you can play the level of the screen I think in pick and rolls fairly well just because he can stay in front. Um, and then, yeah, the shooting has just been there. Uh, he is shooting the ball confidently. He's generating open looks by moving off the ball. And it's really just been very, very impressive to see. Uh, obviously, I don't, I hope we don't have to see any more Dean Wade starts this season. I, you know, hopefully Larry Nance will be back, uh, for the rest of the year and hopefully we'll get Kevin back as well. And even if Kevin has to miss more games, hopefully Larry is there to take those. But, um, it's hard to not be, you know, really really impressed by what you've seen from Dean Wade so far Amadou what have you seen just over this 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 stretch of games where he has started what has stood out the most about him to you yeah like both of you guys have said it's really just been the confidence you know um, he isn't hesitant on a three-point shots you know he's he's just gonna let that fly I love that um the off-ball movement has been great and he's played some you know some some pretty good defense you know as well um he had that one stop in the Pacers game that I just really liked um but, you know, all in all, for me, it's just he's just been a professional, you know. Um, he plays his role well. Um, he does what the team needs him to do. And you can't really ask for more from Dean Wade. Looking at the bench, uh, we did have a couple guys come back. Obviously, we were without Jetty Osmond there for a, a game. Uh, we were without Tarian Prince for a minute. Both of them have come back. And I think both of them have been kind of underwhelming. Uh, obviously, Jetty played in both these games. Tarian just came back for this last one. Uh, in his return, shot two for six from the field, had some rebounds, had four assists, I thought, which was nice to see from him. Uh, Jetty, in the last couple games, in true Jetty form, has kind of struggled to find his shot. Uh, was fine against the Rockets, hit a few threes, uh, ended up with 11 points, five rebounds. Against the Pacers... Really, really, really struggled. He was one freight from the field, didn't hit a three in three of his attempts. Uh, again, came down with a few rebounds, but overall, just, just more of the same from Jetty as far as the inconsistency. Um, I feel like, and obviously we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit about these guys, you know, being kind of rumored available for the Cavaliers and trades. But looking at Tari and Prince in particular, um, I feel like a lot of people have soured on him. And... To an extent, I understand why, but at the same time, I really don't. Uh, obviously, when, when Torian got here from the Nets and, you know, those first couple of weeks, he shot the ball insanely well. Uh, unlike, you know, he 
had at any point in his Nets tenure. He was looking like the Tarian Prince of old, if not, you know, the best version of Tarian Prince that has been in the NBA. Uh, someone who was really knocking down all of his threes, taking difficult attempts, taking some attempts off the dribble, uh, getting to his pull-up game really, really easily, knocking those shots down, and showing his value on defense as a bigger wing who can kind of switch two through four at least decently. Uh, the, the shooting numbers have fallen off a little bit. Uh, part of that, I think, is just because, and especially now he's been dealing with the ankle injury, uh, he came back from that injury, played you know in one game and got hurt again, and has missed a couple now, and he came back and has has struggled a little bit. Um, part of that, I just think, is you know the lack of rhythm that he's been able to find, and it's kind of unfortunate timing for him, just because now the Cavaliers might be act- the Cavaliers may very well be looking to be active during this All Star break as far as trades go. Um, at the at the same time, this will be a good chance for Tarian to get healthy. But Amadou, are you concerned about the play of Tarian Prince that we've seen as of late? No, I'm not concerned because just like you said, he's dealt with that ankle injury. And I mean, for any athlete, you know, ankle injuries are tough because you can't move the same. You know, you can't really get to your same spots. It's it's just tough to deal with when you're, you're not yourself. Um, again, also it's a rhythm thing, you know, um, He's missed a couple of games now. You know, he was finally healthy, came back, and then he re-injured himself again. He's not able to find a rhythm if he's only paying, playing Excuse me, a half of basketball. So um, I think the pros really outweigh the cons for Torian. I mean, he's a, a 6'8 wing player who can defend, who can, you know, shot create, and who can shoot the ball. So I feel like he'll, he'll get back to his former self and – you know, hopefully this break for him will be a time, you know, to rest and heal and should be good to go in the second half. Dan, are you concerned at all about Tarian Prince's kind of struggles as of late? No, not at all. Um, Amadou really hit the nail on the head there. Um, yeah, ankle injuries can be just lead to uncertainty for a player. Uh, it generally takes a little bit to get your rhythm back. Um, but it's just the rumors with him are not, not really shocking. I mean, you even even kind of hit on how it seems like he'd be a viable trade candidate anyhow. Um, just because his his deal is not. I mean, it's not necessarily really cheap, but it's it's very tradable. And uh, on the plus side, it's it's kind of allowed Dylan Windler's to seemingly get more in rhythm. Yeah, uh, just kind of going through some other guys. Dylan Windler, again, these last couple games has struggled to shoot the ball. Uh, 0 for 4 from deep combined in these two games. But again, has been rebounding the ball really well. I believe had 7 in the first game, 6 in the second. And the the, the rebounding instincts are just so clearly there with Windler. Um, on both ends of the floor, he's just able to, to just seek out balls and get to them and get his hands on them. Um, just, just really, the, the knack that he has for rebounding the ball is clear. Um, again, s- struggling to find the shot, still kind of searching for that. Um, nothing really new to say there. Uh, Jared Allen continues to do what he does well. Uh, had 10 and 15 against the Rockets, 17 and 11 against the Pacers. Both of those nights were very, very efficient shooting nights for him as well. Um, JaVale McGee has been getting in the game here a little bit as of late. Uh, he continues to play fairly well. Um, has actually shot five of seven in both of these games from the field. Uh, really, really struggled with turnovers uh, in the second game. Again, had five of them against the Pacers again. And just, and on a night where everybody was was struggling with turnover issues. Um, I, I have to ask, Dan, do we want to see more 
of the JaVale McGee, I don't know if it was a step back, but it's like sidestep, pump fake, heavily contested three-pointers. And like, I understand that the time was winding down, but he could, like, there were about four seconds left when he, you know, like was getting into his move and taking that shot. Like he could have found someone else who could have created a shot. Do we want to see some more, some more perimeter creation from JaVale McGee? No. Uh, <laughs> with McGee, there's, yeah, it's growing, I mean, a little bit here and there is is okay, I guess, but earlier in the season, it was kind of like getting a laugh at this point. This is just getting tiresome. Um, it, it's, it's happened too much, and it, it just shows um, the Cavs are... Well, frankly, JB Bakerstaff has has stuff to figure out offensively. Um, the the kind of when the when Garland is off the floor, I, I mean, it's it's just they need to find a way to use um, generate more productive ball swings and having Javale McGee and even Jared Allen at times, not as much, but um, some of the possessions ending out in those kind of weird drives and even yeah like you said like occasional like sidestep stuff from JaVale McGee is that's just no bueno you did say you were getting tiresome it was kind of funny at first I will admit I laughed pretty heavily oh it's a laugh but it's when you see the game getting away it's just like (laughs) all right come on (laughs) yeah he's trying Um, to improve his trade value that's yeah um, hey, if, if JaVale McGee added a legitimate sidestep, step-back, three-point game, that's something that could net yourself a first-round pick. Uh, with the rim protection, obviously that's never going to happen. But, uh... Eh. Never Amadou, never. Amadou, how close is JaVale McGee to being a, a 40% three-point shooter in your eyes? Not close at all. Um... I mean... <laughs> if he wants to take him, he can take him. I'm, yeah, I, I just I can't you know fault a player for taking a wide open three. It's just you know like like you guys are saying when there's you know five ten seconds left on the clock and you can find a much 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 better option and he's doing that sidestep jumpers and the the taking threes. I, I I just don't know about that, but um, yeah, I mean Javale's what thirty three now. I mean if it hasn't already been implemented, I just I just don't know if that's going to be something that that he can he can do. With JaVale, I am of the mindset that, you know what, you've been, and we, we keep saying it with JaVale, but you've been a pro's pro throughout the whole process here in Cleveland. You've embraced your role here. Uh, you, were, you were professional through the time that you weren't playing after the Jared Allen trade when him and Andre were still in the lineup. You're still doing some productive things on the floor. You're still a very, very important player for this team when you're out there. It is frustrating, especially in times when we see the game kind of slip away during those moments. But go ahead and get your threes up, JaVale. If it's if it's going to keep you happy and keep you engaged, you know, it, it's not to the extent of a Andre Drummond where it just he literally hijacks and takes over the entire offense for like an entire quarter. If it's if it has to be a couple plays here or there, go ahead and do it, JaVale. Uh, it, it's worked sometimes. We've seen some some highlight plays from JaVale. You know, the the coast to coast dunks that we've seen he's made a few threes on the season I, I i am okay with giving him a little bit of an extended leash in that regard especially just because again with with andre 
it was every single possession, you know, the ball is stuck in his hands for six plus seconds. uh, And we just, you know, he was failing to convert at the rim over and over and over and over. And that just, that hasn't been the case with JaVale. It's, it's, it's a here or there thing. Um, it, It is frustrating to see at times, but it's also kind of just funny. And like I said, I laughed at it. Um, I, I'm okay with it coming every now and then. Anything else from either of you before we before we get out of here? Or not before we get out of here, but before we move on to some other topics, just as far as these games go. Hey everyone, the NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. I do just want to note real quick, sorry, uh, that Damian Dotson did get in and play eight minutes uh, against the Pacers. Uh, Did make a shot, but also... Took a three that was long and like hit the backboard and didn't even hit the rim from the wing. Uh, I don't. I don't get what the. I don't. I. I. I'm struggling to understand Dan. What is going on with 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 Damian Dotson right now? Because it seems like like he's still like clearly like one of the team's better shooters. Like we just saw a video from Javale McGee uh, on his, I believe, his Instagram of like. Dylan Windler and Damian Dotson coming out and doing like, you know, wrestler intros before a shooting competition. Like if, if Damian Dotson was really shooting that is horribly in practice as he has been in games, like I, you, you'd struggle to think that like they would have shooting contests still that are that big of a deal. Do you think it's just kind of a confidence thing and just kind of struggling to get into rhythm during games as compared to practice where obviously you're in a gym with just your teammates and your coaches and it's a much more, you know, shooter friendly environment. But what do you think it is right now with Damian Dotson and the long ball? Yeah, we've we've kind of hammered this down. I, I really don't have an answer for it. Uh, the rhythm seems to be there. I, I think the only, I guess, kind of maybe somewhat explanation could be uh, he, he did seem to have good chemistry with Larry Nance, especially uh, with Nance's passing sense. Um, being able to find him, I, I think those two kind of had a, a decent connection in that way. Um, and Nance is a good off-ball screener too. I think that is kind of somebody that uh, he played off of, maybe being in being out could have been kind of a detriment to that. And uh, not having love out there with with his shooting presence, um, kind of an off-ball two-man game between those two. I think could could help Dotson, but. He's had a lot of open looks here, and I it's it, it's beyond concerning at this point. It's not um, just because that even more so that presence, and, and I, I again he's shown some decent pull up wiggle in the two two point range when the Cavs have needed it. Uh, 
Um, he like he he's been able to create for himself and, and get the shots. Like he he can do that. Um, has has shown some nice push shot stuff. As I I actually think has done a decent job driving the ball. Um, but I really don't have an answer for you because he's he's a high level shooter. Was a high level shooter um, at Houston and. I, I I really don't have an answer. I, it's it's just frankly been very unfortunate, but um, it, it really wouldn't be completely shocking to to maybe see him moved. See him moved, and I was going to say also, obviously he has a non guarantee in his contract for next season. Exactly, uh, it's completely non guaranteed uh, for two million dollars, which early on in the season seemed like that would really be a steal of a, of yep. a you know a, a bargain deal. Uh, I, I really kind of and obviously we'll have to see we obviously have no idea um, how how pe- how basically you know positional needs are gonna change uh, through the draft and after this trade deadline even uh, so it, it really is too early to really speculate on it but there is some real concern there that maybe he, he gets waived you know this offseason and doesn't you know get that next year guaranteed which again if you had told me that kind of during the stretch where, you know, he was the team's only guard, and he was playing really well, despite even some shooting struggles. Then, uh, I it it, would, it really just seems weird to me that that is now where we are at with him. Um, well, I think the other. I was just going to say the other thing is the schedule kind of being, I guess, somewhat opening up in the second half, and it could could help him too. That could help everyone, and yeah, Damian Dotson isn't an exception there. I think that we'll we'll just have to see. You know. Hopefully this team will be healthy. Hopefully this team will have an easier schedule moving forward. Um, things and, and you know maybe he's been dealing with some injuries. Maybe you know whatever's been going on, he'll have an all star break now to to recover. And I think you know all these guys at this point have little nagging things that you know we we don't know what's going on there with Dotson, but there could be a problem. And again, this all star break could be a good chance for everyone just to get healthy, not just the injured guys. Um, yep. Yep. Amu, do you share any of these concerns? I mean, obviously, we're all in agreement, I think, that the jump shot is just kind of a question mark as to what has gone wrong. But um, are you are you concerned about his future with this team as far as – do you, do you share my – I mean, I think I can dance kind of on board with me now uh, that there, there's a real chance that he might not get the second year of that contract? Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I think there's a real chance, you know, that – Majority of these people on this team, except from the you know the young core and like Larry Nance, they can all you know be waived or moved or whatever, um, just because the Cavs could be looking to add you know maybe younger pieces or better pieces at that to this team. Um, but as for Dotson's shooting, like you guys said, maybe you know it's a fatigue thing. You know he's going to the All Star break; he can recover, um, get his body right before the second half. And another thing. Maybe he's not in the role that, you know, he that's custom to him. Maybe hopefully when Matthew Delodova comes back, Delhi can be that first guard off the bench, you know, aside from Dotson and allow Dotson to play more off ball where he can, you know, be more catch and shoot. And hopefully that turns the shooting around. But yeah, as for right now, I think anybody aside from the young core and Larry Nance is, is able to be moved. Completely agree there. Um, looking at just kind of how some of these pieces will be reintegrated into the rotation. Uh, looking at Love, Nance, and Delhi in particular, it seems very, very realistic. Obviously, at this point with Kevin Love, I have no clue. 
Um, it seems like he'll probably be back after this All-Star break. It also seemed like he would be back a month ago. At least that was what was originally reported. That's not even a joke. Like, the original reports were late January, early February. And obviously, I know that he was still dealing with soreness. And that's that's not a knock on Kevin Love. I mean, if he's not healthy, he's not healthy. It's just a fact that we really don't know when we'll be able to see him play next. Uh, it's I'm just going to function under the assumption that he will be back after this All-Star break here. Uh, along with Delhi, again, we don't know exactly what the timeline is for him. Uh, but it seems like there's a good chance that maybe not right away, but soon we'll be back. Um, and, and Nance should be good to go afterwards as well, you would think. Um, how do you guys think the rotation kind of changes with the integration of all three? Uh, obviously, you know, even tonight with guys like like uh, Jetty and Tarian Prince back in the fold, we've seen Lamar Stevens get squeezed out. That's not much of a surprise. Um, in my eyes, it seems like with the you know the reintroductions of Larry Nance and Kevin Love, uh, we could kind of see Dean Wade get squeezed out in the same way, which is disappointing just considering how much he's played. Um, we, we talk about you know a guy like Damian Dotson, you know, hopefully being able to benefit from a bigger or from an easier schedule, or you you know having healthy guys back. But if guys are reintroduced to this lineup and a guy like Del Vadova is back in the fold. Uh, do you play him over Damian Dotson? I, I don't really. I kind of struggle to see where Damian Dotson would even get minutes if this team is fully healthy right now. Amadou, I'll start with you. Do you think that? Where do you think a guy like Damian Dotson would fit in the rotation with everyone healthy? Yeah, it's definitely tough. Um, just talking on Dotson. I mean, this this was probably his best chance to you know show that he deserves you know a solid spot on this team with Delhi out with Exum traded. He was our our backup guy, our backup guard, our first guard off the bench, and he just hasn't really shown it. So I do believe that, yeah, uh, Matthew Dovidova will come back when healthy and take his spot. As for minutes, it's going to be extremely tough, you know, because you do have uh, Delhi. You also have Torian Prince, Jetty Osman, two guys who are, you know, wing players. You, you could, you know, sort of say that Dotson is a, is a wing player, too, um, at least when Delhi comes back. But, yeah, it's going to be definitely – I. I, I could see, you know, some spot minutes here and there. Maybe they want to get, you know, Dotson alongside, you know, Sexton and Garland like they've been doing so far. We could even see, you know, some Delhi and Dotson minutes as well. But altogether, I, I think, yeah, I definitely will see uh, his minutes probably cut in half, e- even more, honestly. And as a guy who's kind of in and out of the rotation right now, cut in half obviously is not a, a, yeah. a good thing to hear if you're Damien Dotson. Uh, Dan, how do you think that a guy like Del Vadohood fits back into the rotation when he comes back? Do you see him as like a regular, you know, 12 minute a night guy? Do you think he kind of is in that kind of floating in and out spot where Damien is right now? Uh, do you think he could have a bigger role than that? Where do you think he's going to fit in? Well, I, I think with the key is what, what the deal is with Garland, uh, what, how, is he going to be sidelined for yes, that's a, a chunk that is, here? That's, yeah. that's, yep. It's a key. There's just a yep. lot of factors to it. Um, I, I think, I, yeah, normally I think 12, 13 minutes, I think at least in the near term seems feasible just because um, the Cavs need the playmaking help. But we just don't know with, with Del Vadova. I mean, it, it's there's a possibility that he's back like, or available right at the after the all-star break, but um, it, it's just hard to say, really. I, I don't know if he's been pra- like practicing uh, 
with like full contact with other guys um, yet. I, it doesn't. I don't think we've seen reports of that. I don't know. Um, but I think the other thing is, um, given the rumors, uh, reports from Shams and um, Amico uh, today being Thursday, um, I, I think I look at two guys that could really aid the Cavs right now. Um, one of those being Frank Nielakina. Um, I think that could be a guy that could really help us uh, in the playmaking sense. Not not a guy that has the vision um, of Garland or, or like the on-ball creation stuff, but could definitely help in that regard and, and is a, a big one. Um, can maybe play the two a little bit here and there, um, but that's a guy I think it, with his it just more viable in real minutes, I think, than Della Vadova. Um, can at least have has some pull-up game and at least on catch-and-shoots can – hit him here and there, um, capable driver. And I'll also look at a guy from the Bulls, given that they're rumored um, Drummond suitors, that uh, Sato is another guy that I really like. I, I think he specifically um, I would trust, frankly, and, and you know that he'll be able to play. Well, we can get into some of those rumors now, uh, talking about Andre Drummond. The Knicks have come out and are reportedly the front runners for Drummond, obviously home of Neil Kena. You would have to think he would be involved in any package for Andre Drummond. Uh, that would be, I think, the the one main piece that the Cavaliers would probably be interested in getting back. Uh, New Orleans Noel has also been mentioned as a name who would be a part of a potential return package, uh, especially if DeVale McGee gets shipped out. That's a guy that you know we have liked here. For a while, um, we liked him at free agency as a guy who the Cavaliers could potentially bring in. I think he's played very, very well for the Knicks right now, especially with Taj Gibson and uh, Mitchell Robinson out. The Bulls have also registered interest. Uh, it makes some sense, I guess, for them to have him as a kind of a stopgap big who can help them win now while Wendell Carter develops. I don't see this as them, you know, moving on from Wendell. I, I think that I, that would that, that would honestly just be a huge mistake. But again, if if Wendell, you know, continues to struggle with health, and you just don't really want to trust him as your main center right now. And this is a team that, you know, with the way that Zach Levine is playing, could really, really, you know, look to be making the playoffs. Andre Drummond is a guy who could help there. Uh, also linked to Drummond are the Raptors, Nets, Celtics, Blazers, and Clippers. Uh, the Mavericks and Lakers have also registered interest and are monitoring the situation. But it seems like both of them would only be interested in a buyout situation, which is kind of, it kind of hurts to hear that that the Mavericks have kind of removed themselves from any trade conversations and at this point are only really interested in a buyout situation. Amadou, are you disappointed that a team that seemed like a real, you know, realistic team that had a real realistic package uh, with, you know, Dwight Powell and James Johnson and whatever else, does it disappoint you to hear that they are now out of the race for Andre? Um, um, I wouldn't even... I don't know if I would say I'm disappointed just because it depends on what the, the Mavericks were looking to offer. Like you said, James Johnson and Dwight Powell are probably the, the core of that deal. And is that package better than, you know, a Knicks package that would include a young player more than likely either it being Frank Nilekina or uh, Kevin Knox? Um, I, I don't, I don't think that a Mavs, it would be better for us in the long run. So to say I'm disappointed, no. I think the talks that we had on the podcast about Josh Green being involved, I, I thought maybe those talks were, you know, kind of unlikely. Hopeful. hopeful. Yeah, oh, really, really <laughs> hopeful. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I, I'm disappointed by this from the Mavericks. 
To be completely fair, like I am much more interested in a Knicks package as well, and it's it's good to hear that the Knicks at least have interest, or at least you know are front runners or whatever. My only concern is I just want as many interested teams as we can get that's because true, it still seems true. like a buyout is legitimately on the table, um, and even if it is a second round pick in Dwight Powell and James Johnson or whatever it might be, even if we have to take on Dwight Powell's money, I would just I would. I think everybody in Cleveland would rather get a trade than a buyout, including Andre Drummond. Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from as far as that. Uh, yeah, obviously, I think there are better packages out there, and I think the Knicks are one of them. Uh, Dan, are you are you devastated that we're not going to get James Johnson in Cleveland? Yeah, really devastated. Um, no, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's just more of a... Um, potential kind of maybe wishful thinking Josh Green type, but um, or like a, a future asset that they could uh, maybe get something out of or and or have a, as a piece for another potential deal, um, perhaps like with love down the road. But um, no, I'm, I'm not all the way or really very disappointed in not getting Dwight Powell, who I, I liked before, but since that injury just has, has just clearly not been the same player. Yeah. Looking at the Bulls, who are kind of the newest team to at least register interest in Andre, what do we think that a package would look like there? Obviously, the, the, the easy guy to point to is Otto Porter Jr., who is making $28.5 million, essentially. He's making just a hair under that. Um, a good kind of 3 and D wing for them. I'm not really sure exactly what the incentive is there between either team to basically swap those guys. I, I don't really know if Otto Porter, especially right now with guys like Jetty and Tarian still on the team, I, I don't really think that there's a clear need for any more wings on this team. I don't think that there's a desire for any wings on this team. I, I, if you, I guess you could talk me into, again, just having somebody to play in front of Wendell Carter right now, but... You'd have to think that there would be a little bit of, of draft compensation coming from Chicago in this situation. And it isn't really worth it for them if they're giving up Otto Porter, who, assuming that he's healthy, might be the more valuable player. Amadou, how do you like the, the package that the Bulls – or do you think that there could be something else that the Bulls could send back? Do you think it could be some combination of Tomas Sadoransky or Cristiano Felicio? Well, Cristiano Felicio, I'm assuming, would be in there as filler in any deal – but him or Sadoransky or Thaddeus Young or some combination of all of them, you know, whatever the deal may be. Yeah, I definitely like uh, Sadoransky being included in any deal because, um, like Dan said, you know, this is a great, you know, tall guard. I think he's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, issue. He's 6'7". Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, he's, he's tall. Wow, okay, yeah, that's even better. Um, can honestly play any of the wing spots as well as, you know, both guard spots. Um a guy who we know can play extremely well with a scoring guard. We've seen it in Washington with Bradley Bill. We see it again um, in Chicago with Zach Levine. Um, playmaking wise, obviously that's a plus. That'd be an, an amazing gift for the Cavaliers, I believe. Um, and then just him and just some fillers, honestly, I feel like would be a nice trade for us. Um, personally, I would probably stay away with the Auto Porter deals just because, like you said, we have so many wings on this team already. Auto Porter is just. I feel like that swap right there, it's just not even worth it for us, honestly. I'd rather just, just, if, if the, honestly, I, I'd much rather wave Drummond than, than acquire Otto Porter. I mean, eating that money, he, he's already so injury prone. 
and he just doesn't really bring much for us. Well, it would really be. I, I guess it would be. He's, he's expiring, expiring too, as yeah, well. But still, he's actually making know. just a hair less than Andre. But again, if, if Andre's not traded, he's going to be bought out. He can give that money back. We don't know if Otto Porter would be willing to do that or not. So if you are looking to save money, uh, maybe you go the Andre Drummond route to sticking with him. I'm just, yeah, Otto Porter isn't somebody that I see, you know, being appealing to the Cavs, which means that there would have to be draft compensation attached. And at that point, I don't see why Chicago is giving up draft assets and giving up Otto Porter just to get Andre. And it gets kind of tricky when you're talking about Sadoransky deals because Sadoransky's making – keep in mind, the magic number to get here with Andre is $23 million. Cristiano Felicio and Tomas Sadoransky gets you to 17 and a half. That's still a ways off. Um, you could throw in Thaddeus Young here and that gets you there. But Thaddeus Young is a guy who's playing really, really well for the Bulls as of late. And that's a guy who has some serious value on the trade market, you'd have to think. Uh, you could throw in a guy like Garrett Temple or Ryan Archidiakono or Denzel Valentine. But when you're getting into, you know, say it is Valentine would get you to, let's see, that would be 17 and a half. That would get, it, you're still not there with Valentine. So let's say it's Denzel Valentine, um, Garrett Temple, Cristiano Felicio, and Tomas Sadoransky. To get Andre Drummond, that just you know that at that point the Cavaliers are probably giving up assets to acquire some of these guys, because you know Tomas is a guy who probably has positive value. Um, Denzel Valentine, I don't think is anything at this point, but Garrett Temple is a guy that you have to think you could flip for a second round pick if you're Chicago. So it, I'm just I'm not really sure what type of deal gets done here. I think anything that would have to get done uh, would have to include Otto Porter, and I just don't really understand why there's any real reason for those two sides to, to come into an agreement there. Uh, Dan, is there anything in particular that, that appeals you out of these packages or that you think makes more sense than I think it does? Yeah. I don't know. I was just uh, hypothetical to me. could be um, Dre and Jetty for Porter and uh, Sadoransky just because that is something that could work. That, yes. Um, just in this. And honestly, I would have given that they'd be, having Jetty for, I believe, two more years and then one non-guaranteed year, just like a future two attached from the Cavs to Chicago. Um, I I just look at it as, yeah, who knows what we'd be getting from Porter Jr. Um, Well, that Porter Jr., I should say. I'm not going to get into that. But... But um, it's it could be a guy for like a locker room dude for a couple months, um, or it could be potentially you could just buy him out right away. Um, and he's dealing with that back injury. Um, they've it hasn't. I think he's missed maybe like ten, eleven games uh, recently. And Sadoransky did miss ten games earlier due to uh, health and safety protocol. But that injuries really haven't been a huge. I don't think they've really been an issue for him. Um, but I just look at the potential um, of him, what he could do for, especially with the um, playmaking help right now being such a key need. Um, that that would be a really good get for me, like huge get, frankly, um, as far as the Cavs, what they could get. Um, and I, I just look at him as a guy that could also help the two young guards, um, in their development could kind of be like a, maybe like a deli type, but actually, I mean, is like a real player. Um, not to knock deli. He's a really good passer, but we know at this point he's, I mean, offensively very limited. And Sadoransky can create for himself a little bit. I mean, he has some touch in the, in the pull-up game. Um, as a catch-and-shoot guy, he's been kind of streaky, but 
Um, in a bench role, I think maybe playing 18, 19 minutes a game. Um, can play somewhat off ball. Um, and as Zamadu said, can kind of play both wing spots here and there. Um, be an off ball contributor as well. And I really like what he can do defensively. Um, against guards, I think it's it's kind of Neil Aquina, not nearly Neil Aquina good when he's fully locked in, but um, I think can be a plus on that end of the floor as well. And I, I just think that's that'd be worth it to me. Yeah, and that is an interesting package. I, I and just Jetty think the Cavaliers, has been on a, on a downslide here for a while. He has been. He has been. For, I mean, it's been up and down all season, but it does seem like it has been a little bit more down than up lately. I, I do think that the Cavaliers would have to give up some compensation in this It'd type be, of deal. I think a future but, two. Yeah, like it, but I think that twos that is, are valuable. Yeah, I, one they are more valuable than a lot of their teams' twos, and, and yeah, I think that's something of- that that makes some sense. Again, I think Tomas Sadoransky is a piece that makes sense for this team. Um, and he's also he'd be an expiring trade piece for next season too. If or you could maybe look to extend him, maybe. Yeah, you could. But I mean, to me, it, that, it, it, it depends yeah, on if your team is competitive by next season, whether he wants to be there. Yeah, um, and you could potentially look to draft like a Jalen Green in in draft. Well, draft Jalen Green. Yeah, potentially. Uh, it's also important to note that uh, Tomas is making ten million this season and ten million next season, uh, and next season only five million of that contract is guaranteed. Uh, if the Cavaliers, for whatever reason, did want to move on from him and just didn't see it working out, they would be able to get off of him and not take that full $10 million cap hit. Uh, just worth noting. Talking a little bit about uh, the other guys, uh, the Cavaliers, it has been reported at this point that they are willing to move on from Osmond, Prince, and McGee. I think all of these make sense. Um, obviously, JaVale McGee is still drawing interest from the Brooklyn Nets, which is a really good thing to hear. Jetty Osman is another guy who is has seemingly drawing some interest from contenders. Uh, Brooklyn in particular, along with the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, are both rumored to be interested in Jetty Osman. Um, other, other quick trade notes that I'll just get out of the way now. Uh, yes, there are expected to be teams pursuing Larry Nance. No, the Cavaliers are not going to trade Larry Nance. And yes, the Cavaliers would still love to move Kevin Love, and no, the Cavaliers will not be moving Kevin Love. So I'll just get that out of the way now. Uh, talking again just about Jetty. Uh, Amadou, do you think that there's a, an obvious trade here for either Brooklyn or the Los Angeles Clippers to acquire a guy like Jetty Osman? Uh, making, at this point, $8.8 million, a little bit over that, and again, is, is under contract for a few years after that. But just looking at you know what would work in trade math, um, looking at the Nets, the guys in that kind of trade range, um, as far as salaries go, are Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan. Looking at the Clippers, you have Ivica Zubats, Lou Williams, Serge Ibaka, and Patrick Beverly, essentially. Looking at, and obviously you could make trades more complicated if you want. It's a lot harder for the Clippers just because they're right up against the hard cap. But I'll throw this at you, Amadou. Is there an obvious trade here with either of these teams for Jetty? Yeah. Um, just looking at the Clippers, I personally don't see it. I mean, I feel like the players you'd have to trade are key pieces to that team that they're not really looking to get rid of. It just doesn't make sense. For the Nets, though, maybe you could do one uh, for Dinwiddie just in case. I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, it depends on how much they, they value him as a player. Coming off an ACL tear, 
going into an offseason where they're going to have to resign him, where they are going to have to pay, you know, Kevin, um, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. I just don't think as well as, you know, already paying 16 million to Joe Harris. I just, I just don't know if they have the money to bring Spencer back. And I don't know if Spencer would want to be back, you know, for a contract that he would get. You know, I think he probably wants to, you know, get, you know, near Joe Harris money. So, yeah, I feel like that's probably the, the obvious trade right there. But uh, then again, it's, you know, it comes to the Cavaliers. Is that a trade that you want to make? Because Spencer could easily just walk in free agency, you know, and we lose Jetty for essentially nothing. Unless you, you think, you know, getting off of his contract is the value right there. But, yeah, I, I don't really see it for the Clippers. I, I see it for the Nets, potentially. Yeah. Dinwiddie has a $12.3 million player option next season. Uh, all reports indicate that he is planning to opt out of that. Uh, again, he has that partially torn ACL uh, that was originally supposed to rule him out for the rest of the season. Uh, p- previous reports have suggested that you know he is far enough along in his rehab right now where there is a chance that he could return at the end of the season, uh, meaning that you know whatever team would acquire him, even if, if he stays with the Nets, uh, he, he could end up playing maybe in the playoffs for whatever team or at the end of the regular season if he's on a non-playoff team, whatever. Again, that's all speculation, but we'll just have to see um, exactly you know how he progresses. But yeah, for the Cavaliers, uh, I think, obviously, Lou Williams, I don't even know if that makes sense just because, again, they are right up against the hard cap. I'd have to do the math in my head. Uh, but they would be taking on quite a bit of salary there. Um, maybe you could do a move along the lines of Lou Williams and say Patrick Patterson for Jetty Osman. And that not only gets you another playable wing in Jetty, uh, it frees up some cap space. You're, you're owing Patrick Patterson just under $3.1 million. So that opens up some room under the hard cap for you to just kind of breathe and, you know, maybe look at some other guys in free agency. So that's one thing that I could see. But again, if you're if you're L.A., you're moving on from Lou Williams, who has taken a step back this year. I think that's clear. Um, kind of has a redundant skill set when it comes to, you know, other guys on your team like Paul George and Kawhi, uh, even Marcus Morris. Um, and you, you have Luke Kennard there as well that can kind of play that position. Um, so I guess it, it, when you look at a guy like Lou, um, maybe Jetty is better at playing off ball than Lou is with this team. But neither of them are going to provide a thing on defense. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't really see the clear upgrade there. I think if the Clippers really value the cap flexibility that much, then there's some sort of sense that can be made there. But yeah, ma- trading Jetty Osmond for DeAndre Jordan really doesn't make any sense for either side. Um, you're trading. And by the way, I will say for the Nets, Nick Claxton has looked good, but I'm still not sure if that's a guy that you trust in the playoffs if you're the Nets. Uh, that leaves you with DeAndre Jordan as your only real traditional center. Um, so, so that does leave you with Spencer Dinwiddie, who, again, may or may not play this season and will probably opt out of his player option this offseason. And you do have his bird rights, which is a beneficial thing. But do the Cavaliers really want to spend for Spencer Dinwiddie this offseason? Uh, I'll, I'll throw that to you, Dan. What do you what do you think would happen there? Yeah, it's I mean, it has some intrigue there. Um, I, I get where, where um, they'd be kind of coming from. But yeah, just given the um, how they're, it seems like Colin Sexton's due to get paid, um, and factoring in Jaron Allen as well. Um, I mean, it is kind of intriguing that those two would or have had kind of some or have had chemistry. Um, I, I get it in that way too, but 
Yeah, with Dinwiddie, you're going to be paying him, you would think, I guess, kind of starter money. And I don't really know how that would figure out, I mean, long term. Uh, and is it that a guy? I just, if his next deal, I just feel like he's due to be going to a team that is, is not going to be really like a contender. Um, not that the Cavs wouldn't be, but or would be, but just given the um, the Garland-Sexton element, Dinwiddie's not really a guy that guards uh, at the other end of the floor, not much there. Um, even when healthy, that's just not his thing, um, which a lot of, I mean, primary careers, that's not really their thing, but I just think it'd be better to take on a guy like Sadoransky who um, would just be no kind of would know his role more, and I, I don't know with if Dinwiddie would really be um, too bought into Cleveland. And not that I'm like huge on Jetty, but I just don't really see the point in that sense. I mean, at least Jetty does have some value to this team. And with, with Dinwiddie, I just don't know if he, I I don't think he'd ever see the floor of Cleveland. Yeah. I'm not sure either. I just want to note real quick. uh, Some, some breaking news from Sean Sarania. Shams is now breaking all-star draft selections before they happen. Um, Team LeBron is drafting Giannis Antetokounmpo first overall in the 2021 NBA All-Star Game draft. Uh, <sighs> Dang, he's he broke that 45 minutes before the draft even <laughs> happens. I just I think that's funny, but um, I just well we're kind of on the topic of trades. I do just want to give you guys one quick kind of trade. Uh, it's uh, Andre Drummond Raptors trade. Uh, this was. Uh, proposed by uh, NBA insiders at ESPN. It's a three-team trade with Kyle Lowry and Andre. I'll just get into it real quick. So the Cavaliers get Danny Green, Terrence Ferguson, Mike Scott, and a 2024 second-rounder from Miami. I believe that the Sixers own that pick. The 76ers get Kyle Lowry, and the Raptors get Andre Drummond, Tyrese Maxey, and it just says picks. Um, I guess... The appeal here is um, the Sixers get their guy in Kyle Lowry, uh, give up Maxi and salary filler and picks to get him. I think that's realistic. Uh, the Cavaliers get back Danny Green and Mike Scott as expirings. Uh, you get a flyer on Terrence Ferguson. I don't think that's going to become anything. And you get your second rounder for Andre. Uh, the Raptors, I guess, get Drummond. I, I think the real value here is getting Tyrese Maxey and draft compensation for Kyle Lowry. And then you also get to stay competitive at least with Andre Drummond. I think you're at least a playoff team in that in that situation. Um, I just want to hear what you guys have to say about it. Amadou, I'll start with you. Um, what do you think of a, a, a tra- tra- trade like that? I think the Raptors are the team that it makes the least amount of sense for. But uh, would you be happy with that type of return for Andre? Personally, you're getting couple vets in a second i mean sure but i thought personally that the raptors were getting out with the most from that deal i mean i understand you know they're playing much much better now than they were early on in the season but kyle is what 34 now i don't think he'll be back with the raptors unless the raptors give him another 30 plus million dollar contract which again i don't i don't think they want to do getting you know a young guy like tyrese maxi to kind of you know, help jumpstart, I wouldn't even call it a, a rebuild, but jumpstart like a transition. That's an amazing deal for them. Um, and then even the, the Sixers, you know, you're getting Kyle Lowry for 
Danny Green, who isn't really doing much for you anyway. Mike Scott, he, he's replaceable, and Terrence Ferguson doesn't really see the floor much either. Yeah, I feel like the Cavs are probably getting out the worst out of that deal. But again, you know, Andre Drummond's trade value currently is probably not the highest. So this is a deal that, I, I don't know. I think still personally, I'd probably, you know, try to see if New York would let you, you know, get like a, a Frank Nielakina for him. But, yeah, I think that that's, yeah, that, that, that that's the first better. deal that you would go yeah. to. But I'm just thinking, you know, if, if it comes down to it, I think that this mm-hmm. is, again, a very realistic, yeah, you know, I'd return. Yeah, i realistic one, yeah. Um, Dan, I'm interested to hear what you have to think. I guess it kind of just depends on how you view Tyrese Maxey as a player. But um, what do you think of just the realistic possibility of this trade as a whole? Do you think that it's something that the Raptors would consider? Um, like I said, I, I, I believe that they should hold on to Kyle Lowry. And I guess my thought process is, yes, it kind of allows you to still stay competitive without Kyle Lowry by bringing back an Andre Drummond. But it just kind of seems counterintuitive to bring him in. Uh, if you're moving off of Lowry and it just kind of seems like you could make a move happen and keep Kyle Lowry there, it just seems like that would be what I would do if I were them, if I were to even go for Andre in the first place. I think that where the Raptors are at right now, they're they're a pretty competitive team that is still in the playoff mix. Um, I think the early season concerns are starting to fade. Um, do you still think it makes sense for them to move off Kyle Lowry in a deal like this? Yeah, I, I don't really see Drummond as being a guy that, frankly, they would sign long term. I just I, that's hard for me to believe. Yeah, neither do um, I. And uh, yeah, I, I guess I get it from that you'd be getting something back from Lowry and and Maxie's. I mean, he's had his ups and downs, but he's a promising player. Um, there's no doubt about that. But I, I don't know what sort of long term kind of projection with them that he would have. Um, it just seems like there's a, a, a high possibility that they'd end up re-signing Norm Powell um, this offseason anyhow um, because it seems like he's – I think reports have been that he's he's not going to accept that player option. So um, you, you put that into play, I, I think there's a possibility he could be your one um, just given how he's um, – it, it, granted, you need kind of complimentary playmaking around him, but – I don't know how Maxi, who's, I mean, mostly an on-ball player, would would fit with him. Uh, and Maxi is not—he's not really with like Norman a special Powell? with Norman Powell. Um, I was say, I think that Fred Van Vliet is still their one. Yeah, they, he is. He is as well. But I don't really know. It's just hard for me to say if like what Van Vliet is going to be like in the near future without Lowry around. I, I don't. I mean, people think that or it seems as though that there's like a low possibility with Lowry re-signing. I don't think it's completely outside the realm of possibility. Neither um, do I. And he's made a lot of money. I think there's a possibility he could just honestly like, show loyalty if, to the franchise. I think that that's a, a yeah, very real and, possibility. And or them with him. But I, yeah, I, I don't think that really benefits them at all. I mean, you'd be better off to me. I I don't think they're like a complete tear it down team. If Lowry were to walk, it's not like a like Kawhi is like rolling out the door and you don't have a guy like Lowry there. So I would, if I were them, I get that they they have needs on the interior, but given how much, I mean, they're not stupid. They know they're the every team knows them on Drummond, and given the questions about him being able to contribute to a winner. I just, the way their offense is 
when they're clicking on all cylinders, very movement oriented, uh, you're not like they're relying on like a number of guys and being able to get to their spots. And I just don't know how he would fit with Siakam at all. I just, I don't, I just don't think they would want that be that into him hijacking the offense. And we don't know if Andre Drummond, like what kind of Andre Drummond you'd be getting. So I I don't really see it because he's never done anything in the playoffs to, to be thinking that I, I don't see this is that highly likely. I think that's kind of a question wherever he goes, Dan. But um, well, as I just far think as what kind Toronto of person are you going to get him on? Specifically, like the way Nick Nurse is with how demonstrative he is as a head coach. And that's I fair. That's fair. That him is fair. Specifically, I don't see it. I think part of you know the realistic possibilities of this deal that we can talk about are if Kyle Lowry wants to get traded. Um, if he requests a trade, and obviously Philadelphia is a place that makes sense for him. He's from the area. Um, so, so from that regard, it does make some sense as far as I think if Kyle Lowry were to go to the Raptors for, Raptors front office and say, I want traded, you know, please trade me to Philadelphia, they would probably do it because I think that there is some interest there from Philadelphia as well. Um, so it, it just depends. Well, why the hell wouldn't there be? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I thought that this was interesting. Um, again, I, I, I don't really love the deal, particularly for the Raptors. I think this is not an exciting package for the Cavs, but it's about as good as you could do. Potentially, again, unless the Knicks decide to offer some young pieces there, which could be interesting. But, uh, yeah, just figured I'd throw it out there. But uh, one last thing I want to get into uh, before we get out of here. The Rising Stars Challenge rosters were revealed. Obviously, they're not playing a Rising Stars game this year. Uh, not the biggest loss in the world. Again, this is about the one All-Star. I think the one All-Star festivity that they're leaving out other than like the celebrity game. I'm just going to read off the, ro- the rosters real quick, though. It's it's U.S. versus world like it has been for, I think, 10 years now. Um, so the U.S. roster. Zion Williamson, John Morant, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero, DeAndre Hunter, Keldon Johnson, Michael Porter Jr., and James Wiseman. The world roster. Precious Achua, Denny Avdia, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, R.J. Barrett, Facundo Campazzo, Brandon Clark, Lou Dort, Rui Hachimura, Teo Maladon, and Michael Mulder. Facundo Campazzo, Teo Maladon, and Michael Mulder are on the Rising Stars Challenge. I'll, I'll just pose this question first. A guy like Darius Garland gets left out of the game, uh, and, and there are some questionable guys who made it over him on the U.S. roster. But Amadou, are, are you a fan of the U.S. versus world format? I understand that like the Rising Stars Challenge selections don't matter at all like in the grand scheme of things. But it would still ni- be, it'd be nice to see guys who actually deserve the, re- the recognition, like a Darius Garland in the situation, to get that recognition. Uh, whether it be rookie, sophomore, just, you know, playing rosters of just the best however many guys. Do you like the, the, the U.S. versus world format? No, I do not. I just feel like I understand, you know, what the NBA is trying to do here. You know, you're trying to bring more international fans into, you know, the, the all-star game or whatever. But when it gets to a point where guys like Compazzo or Theo Maladin or Michael Mulder are getting selected and you're leaving out guys like Darius Garland. And Garland's not even the only one. You know, uh, Emmanuel quickly also didn't make it. 
it, it just, you know, it gets to a point where I feel like it should be changed back to the rookies versus sophomore. I feel like that concept is just so much better. It makes a lot more sense than, you know, trying to force, you know, an international aspect into the all-star game. Yeah. I, I I'm not a big fan of, of, and again, like, all of these guys on the international team have been fine. Like, Facundo Campazzo is good. The guy's 29 years old, but he's good. He's been good. He's been fun. Um, you know, Teo Maladon has, you know, been a pleasant surprise for the Thunder. Same with Michael Mulder, you can probably say. But <laughs> I just, I, 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 I under, and I also understand the international aspect of it. But, uh, Dan, are you, are you a fan of the, the international, the world roster being a thing? Yeah, this is a joke. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Like Michael Moore, Mulder is a nice player. Um, it fits into the system that the Warriors have pretty well. But I, I'm I'm not gonna go to long hanging fruit here. But he does average four point two points a game and has played an average of eleven minutes. So how is I, I get that it's necessary. Like it's just kind of like a cliche thing when people say star or whatever. But like. To me, like, when you say rising star, like, not necessarily for everybody. I mean, Kevin Knox was in this game as a rookie, which <laughs> we're not even going to get into. But Facundo Campazzo doesn't come to mind when you think of a well, rising he star. He actually seems like a viable player. Like, he, well, I, he's I understand. a viable player, but he's 29 years old and is a backup point guard. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, that's fine. But he has unbelievable court vision. Like, a player like yeah, that I fine. get in this game, at least, like, he actually is a meaningful player in the playoffs. Michael Mulder's not playing in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Like, he's not. And probably would, isn't either. Uh, no, but at least that, I, I get it a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, th- this international stuff, I, I got it earlier on, but it's, it, like, when you are talking about it with, like, a guy like Luka Doncic, okay, uh, or, uh, yeah, like that before, sure. But it, at this point, like, they, it's just, it's very flawed. Um, and, yeah, you can have some international flavor to it, but it doesn't have to be an entire X amount of players in that sense over a guy like Darius Garland, who, in, in I mean, he's in his second year. So, uh, like, it's just getting to be ridiculous at this point, and they they just need to go back to the rookie sophomore format because it's again, it's not something that matters in the grand scheme, but it it's a little irritating. Looking at even just the U S roster, uh, which obviously Darius didn't make it onto. I'll, I'll pose this question to you first, Amadou. Are there anybody, are, are there any people on this roster that you think Darius Garland should have made it over? Oh, yeah. 100%. I have three guys on my list. Oh, yeah. Um, Hunter, Keldon Johnson, Anthony Edwards. You could also make the case for Tyrese Hallenberg, but I'm not too accepted, uh, upset at that. But those, those are my three, personally. You said DeAndre, Keldon, and, and uh, Edwards? Anthony, yeah, Edwards, Edwards, Edwards. Okay. My three were. Also, Anthony Edwards, uh, James Wiseman, who I do like as a player, but I think he hasn't done anything that impressive this year. Like, he hasn't been great, and he's also missed some time. Uh, And Tyler Hero, who I just don't like Tyler Hero. I just don't really (laughs) see the appeal of Tyler Hero as much as everyone else. Like, he's treated like a future superstar. I get this is the rising stars, and, like, 
I'm not saying like he doesn't deserve to be here, but like I think him and Garland are kind of on the same tier. And like in most people's eyes, like Tyler Hero is like a clear choice, whereas Darius Garland is obviously off the list. I just think that Tyler Hero and Darius are kind of in the same spot. I, I might take Darius over him. Uh, th- that's just kind of where I'm at there. But um, I don't know. DeAndre's had a really, really good season. Um, and Keldon Johnson is also someone who has kind of just been a, a a real big, you know, jump from his first to second year, which it's not most improved. It's, you know, who's been the best rookie slash sophomore this season. But I can also understand him making it. Anthony Edwards is a guy, though, that, Again, he was the number one overall pick. He's a fun player. He had the dunk that everybody loved him for, except for a few people. But let's be honest, like the guy hasn't like he's had a good stretch during the season, but he's not had a better season than Darius Garland. And he also plays for the Timberwolves, who have been awful. Dan, did you have anybody on this list that Darius should have been in over? Yeah, I had him over Ant. Um uh, Wiseman and uh, I'm kind of with you on Hero. It's a, it's a little bit splitting hairs, but clearly those two. I, I mean, I get it from their pick status, whatever. But yeah, Wiseman's missed time here and just has had no nowhere close to the impact game to game Garland has had, nor has Edwards. So, and I'm with you too. Like I, I I'm more higher i'm higher on tyler hero than you are but yeah he's in a pretty granted they've they've had jeremy jimmy butler covid safety and health protocol issues but yeah garland just is such an invaluable player for the Cavs, um and has had to deal with a team that's been not even remotely close to healthy all season and when he's off the floor it's it's a greater impact than when Hero's not on the floor. I'll pose this question to you now, Dan. Is there anybody on the world roster that you wouldn't take Garland over? Wouldn't. Uh, I would say RJ. I still am pretty I say, is RJ him. Barrett maybe? I, I think him. Is there anyone else? <sighs> no. RJ, like Brandon Clark is good. I actually really like Precious. I think in a different situation, he has a much bigger role. But I I would still take... But he doesn't have that role. (laughs) I I would still take, obviously, Garland over him, though. And Nikhil is is a guy I really like, but I'm definitely just just doesn't have the role. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I would take Brandon Clark, though, honestly. Would you take Brandon Clark as well? Yeah, I would. I would. See, I feel like that's that's someone who I can understand. I can understand Brandon Clark. I can understand R.J. Barrett, but anyone else... But no, it's not close otherwise. Do you have any other names there, Amadou? No, just just those two. I feel like uh, Clark and Barrett. Uh, actually, I wouldn't even take you know either or over Garland, honestly. But those are the two that can maybe that, make a okay. case for. Yeah, a, a debate can be had yeah. there. Um, and and at the end of the day, it's not like any of this matters. It's rising stars. They're not even playing the game this year. It's a nice yeah, recognition, yeah, but at the end of the day, we can all move on. Um, just more motivation for him. Yeah, more motivation. Um, I think that's like that's a good thing. But <sighs> we have a little bit of a break here now, guys. Um, 
Anything else that either of you have to say before we, we kind of close up here? Um, are there predictions on the second pick for the All-Star game? Predictions for the second pick. Do you think huh. Katie's just going to go Kyrie? I bet he just goes. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say he goes Kyrie. Okay. I was kind of hoping that, that, that LeBron would take Kyrie. But it's in about 10 minutes here. Yeah. But um, yeah. who I'll do you s- think, Dan? Who do you got? Number two. Yeah, obviously it'll be Kyrie because if, if anybody that – anything related to Kyrie, he's he's so insecure he has to be that pick. There's just no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts. It'd be a huge – It would be a deal if – be, There'd be stories coming out about it from like <laughs> all over if, if it were – it'd be like a big scuttlebutt. Yeah, it probably would be. All right, well – I said, not sure what these are going to look like, you know, moving forward to this All-Star break without games, but we'll be here covering stuff regardless. Maybe there will be a trade here. Uh, You know, some reports are that the Cavaliers are looking to move Andre Drummond during this this period of time. So whether they can get that done or not remains to be seen. But uh, in the meantime, as we wait. I think Sonny Vale is the first uh, domino to fall, personally. You think he is? We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. But, um... Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Amadou, for coming on tonight. Uh, Thank you, everyone out there, for listening. If you enjoyed listening, subscribe. You never miss another episode. Go back and listen to some old episodes. Uh, Leave a rating. Leave a review. Can I just say... All the fun stuff. Go ahead, Dan. What do you got to say? One last thing. I did have Swenson's the other day, and the big fan of the spicy onion rings, for the record. Spicy onion rings. If there's a Swenson's near you, go and try them. Um, unfortunately, there is not one near me. Uh, Northwest Ohio is not home to any Swenson's locations. But uh, with that, we will get out of here. Thanks again. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.